Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our text today from the epistle lesson of St. Paul, the first chapter of Colossians, this verse. He, Christ, is before all things, and in him all things hold together. This is our text, dear friends in Christ. Doesn't it seem that man is striving forever to hold things together? It doesn't make much difference if it's on a corporate level, and we see that we're trying to hold planet Earth together, or if it's on a national level and we're trying to hold nations together, or if it's on, on an individual level and we're trying to hold our physiques together and our health together, or our homes together, our relationships together, our work together, our emotions together. Man is striving all the time from birth until the time he leaves planet Earth, striving to hold together that which he has. And it seems that so much of life's response is so simple. And it comes back and it says to us, no, you cannot hold it all together. Not as is. Time changes things. Time marches on and people change. Surroundings change, the world around you changes, and we mortals are, like it or not, subject to and changing with all of the changing things that are ever changing around us. We're unable to hold things together as they were. And how many of us have grandfather or grandmother clocks at home that at the top of them is imprinted that Latin phrase, tempus fugit, Time escapes us, time runs away, time flies, as the old Latin expression goes. And we cannot, as hard as we might try, hold it all together. Humpty Dumpties are we all unable to put the broken pieces back together again. Nothing humanly possible is there, whether it's man himself or the multitude of things that man makes. Nothing that we have made can hold together everything as once it was when it was new. Well, we like to think that we can. We like to think that we can make things new again. How often does it go to the, happen that we go to a doctor and the doctor, speaking of a heart condition, says, we're going to take care of this and you're going to be as good as new. Or you go to the dentist and it's going to be as good as new. Or you go to this doctor or that doctor and it's going to be as good as new. Your heart, your back is going to be as good as new. But you know, you know deep down inside that it really isn't quite true. Your heart or your back or your hand, or your elbow, or your knee. They've had many years of wear. Nothing man does can reverse that process to the point that it's as good as it was when it was new. It might be better than it was a week ago. It might be better than it was a month or two ago. It might be better than it was, but it's not as good as when it was new because, you see, even new parts are connected to old parts. And the new parts are connected to an old system that's not as good as new. The mechanic takes your car and he lifts it up in the hoist and he makes that rather empty promise, it's going to be as good as new when we're done. They put all kinds of new parts into it, they remove the dents from it. But you know it's still the same old car, repaired to be sure. Perhaps you've been able to retard its wear a little bit, or you've been able to delay its falling apart altogether. 
but you haven't been able to hold it together so it's really as good as it was when it was new and you know that and you go and you try to trade it in. Then you know if you ever had any thoughts before that it's not as good as when it was new or you'd be getting a lot more for it than you do. Even man's prime relationships, not just our cars, not just our bodies, but even man's prime relationships seem impossible to hold together. For example, it's a lot easier to knock dents out of an old car than it is to knock dents out of an endangered marriage. And that's why so many marriages are falling apart today. Husbands and wives unable or unwilling to control their own individual desires, doing things as scripture tells us, out of selfish ambition and vain conceit, the very thing that scripture warns against so often, that individuality that sees itself as being the ultimate goal of all things, and we do things to please ourselves rather than out of concern for one another, and consequently relationships begin falling apart. We begin going in opposite directions. Things aren't like they were between us when we were new or consider the parent-child relationship all too often. It's all too hard for all too many parents to experience the changes that come as children leave home and begin their own homes and we're reluctant to, to let go of what was even though we know that if we don't go of, let go of what was then our children will never have what we've had. But we're reluctant to, to let go. We try to hold everything together and still the reality of it is that time tugs and it finally has its way and we let go. We simply can't hold even the best of things in this life together. And so, to put it a bit poetically, friends come and friends go and babies are born and children grow and old folks die and their loved ones cry and they ask why. Why can't things simply stay the way they are. Why can't we mortals do a better job of holding things together? Why must change as it inevitably occurs around us in our lives? What makes change hurt so? Why does it happen? You know why it does, because simply put, man fell into sin. And ever since man fell into sin, change has been accompanied by great discomfort and ultimately great pain. You know, before the fall of man into sin, before Adam and Eve fell, there was change. It's not that change is new to the world. There was change before Adam and Eve fell. Remember what scripture tells us? There was morning and evening one day there was morning and evening a second day and a third day and a fourth day and there was change built into the perfect order of things as God so ordered it Adam tilled the soil and the soil changed and it brought forth fruit and there was a harvest there was change but it was change without pain and it wasn't until sin came into the picture that God said, now there's change with pain because now cursed is the ground because of you. In toil and in sorrow you shall eat of it, both thorns and thistles shall it bring forth unto you. Change to be sure, but now change with pain is a consequence of man's own sin. From Adam's side, a tzela 
in the Hebrew, a rib we think it was. Something from Adam's side was taken, and scripture says, and the Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib that he had taken from man. But you can be sure there was no pain at all in the recovery of Adam after that rib was taken from a side from which woman was made. No pain with the change, and the change brought great things for Adam. Change to be sure, but painless change. Only after the fall of man into sin was change accompanied by pain and by discomfort so great that God says to Eve, in pain you shall bring forth children. Pain with change. And that's the way it's been ever since. And that's the way it will be generation after generation as man wishes that he could hold things together and knows that of himself he cannot. The pain now because of sin in our world, in our lives, that accompanies the change that is inevitable about us. Good friends, the glory and the beauty of our text for today is that it tells us of the one who has the power to take the pain out of our change. It tells us of the one who has the power to take that which is falling apart because of sin in our lives and finally bring it together and hold it together eternally. It says, for in him, in Christ, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or authorities, all things were created through him and for him and in him all things hold together. Yet that in him all things hold together. What takes the deep pain out of the changes of our lives and what makes the discomfort that remains for us while we're still here in this time frame, still bearable, is the confidence of that faith that knows and confesses that our Lord Jesus Christ, who does not change, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, our Lord Jesus Christ is the one who for us then also holds it all together. He's going to lift to new heights all of us when it seems that things have been brought to new lows. He's going to keep us safe when we feel so vulnerable. He's going to keep us safe when we feel so endangered. He's going to make all things work together for good, Scripture says, to those who love him as he's promised. And the day is coming. And that's what we talk about at the end of the church year as we're celebrating even today with Christ the King Sunday. The day is coming when we're going to hear him say, Behold, I make all things new. And what beautiful words they will be for me and for you. I make all things new. Change without sins accompanying pain. In him all things hold together in this life so that in the life to come all things can be made new. That's the primary work of our Savior to take our sinful lives when they seem to be falling to pieces and, and by his grace and by his work through his word and through his sacraments to hold things together until that day finally comes when he makes all things new. That old body worn out by sin and time. But behold, now he will say, I make it new. 
make it new forever. That old mind frayed from years of fretting over this and worrying about that and being diseased from dementia or Alzheimer's or paralyzed by stroke, but behold, now I make it new and I make it vibrant forever. The old friends and the loved ones separated from us so many years ago. But behold, Jesus says, I've held them together even until now, and now behold, I make all things new forever. In that day, that great and glorious day of our Lord's coming, the pain of change will once again be gone forever. As St. John tells us when he gives us the divine scenario of the new heavens and the new earth in the book of Revelation, and he says, God shall wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death. There will be no more mourning. There will be no more crying and no more pain. Why? Because the former things have passed away. You know, it's interesting. St. Paul tells us that on, on earth's last day, the Lord himself, he says, is going to descend from the heavens with a shout, with a command. Haven't you ever asked yourself, I wonder what that command of the Lord is going to be? I wonder what that shout of the Lord is going to be on that day when he comes, when heaven opens wide and he comes again, visibly appears among us. What word will be the word? Or what words will be the words that close the old age and begin the new age and open that new age of eternity? I wouldn't be surprised at all that it would be simply two words, simply no more. Just as we heard John say, no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain, for all of these former things have passed away. And then he says it once and for all, behold, I make all things new. So you see, in a very real way, whoever is in Christ is already, as God says, a new creation. How through baptism into Christ so long ago you entered into that eighth day already, into that new day. By baptism into Christ Jesus, you've been made anew. You've been born from above. Born again, as we would say, through water and through the word. You are thereby exempt from the finality of pain that comes with change. To be sure, while we remain here as sinners in this sinful and fallen world, we'll continue to experience the pain of change. We will know the pain of seeing so many things that we love so dearly fall apart around us. But for those in Christ, it's all a temporary pain. It's all a bearable pain for us. It's all an earthly discomfort that we know is going to pass away. It's a malady that we know is going to be mended, a hurt that we know is going to be healed because we know that he who holds all things together will someday say, and we will hear him say, behold, I make all things new, and the pain will be taken out of change. Isn't that exactly what our Lord Jesus Christ did on the cross of Calvary? Didn't he in essence there on the cross of Calvary say no more of this stuff? He took the old relationship between man and God, fallen to pieces and twisted, and distorted and severed and prevented by man's sins and wrecked and ruined by our iniquities. And he said, no more. And Christ restored us 
unto God. He reconciled us through the cross and through his own blood unto the Father. And he made it new again. He took the pain of the punishment that was due you. And he said no more of it. And he bore it all upon the cross of Calvary in and of himself. He, he took the unending fall of hell's black abyss, which was our eternal fall to take. And he said no more of it. And he lifted us up with him so that we in the eternal ages to come might be seated there with him at the right hand of the Father. He took the malady of our warring madness against God and he said no more of it. And he mended our sinful dispositions and our messed up minds and our cleansed our sin-stained souls so that we might forever be connected with him. And he said to the Father, no more. No more of what seeks to destroy these people so that the Father might say, I have redeemed you. I have made you mine. Isn't that what God says of you today through the prophet Malachi in the Old Testament? He says, they shall be mine, says the Lord. In the day when I make up my treasured possession, they shall be mine. Do you hear what he calls you? He calls you his treasured possession. What a wonderful thing it is to be called the treasured possession of God. A possession, why? Because he bought you. He said no more to the one who had owned you and who had enslaved you. God purchased you through the blood of his only begotten son. How did he do it today? In the epistle lesson, St. Paul says he delivered us from the domain of darkness, Satan's domain, because that's where we were and that's who had owned us. He delivered us from the domain of darkness and he transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son through whom he reconciled all things unto himself by the blood on the cross. The power of the love of God and of the blood of God that on the cross of God when it seemed that the whole universe was about to fall eternally apart he was really there in that cross holding all things together. And he still holds everything together by the same power of the same cross. The message of the cross this is preached and taught, shared with us today, the benefits and blessings of the cross as they come to us by way of word and sacrament as we receive them. That is how God is holding things together in our day. Sadly, the one change that is most needful for all the world is the very change that the world so madly resists. And that is the change that he would bring. That he would bring so that we someday would be able to know and say the change and decay in all around I see, but thou who changest not abide with me. No more, he will say to the pain of change. Behold, I make all things new. Finally, as anonymous poets once put it, he said, in Christ we have a love that can never be fathomed, a life that can never die, a righteousness that can never be tarnished, a peace that can never be understood, a rest that can never be disturbed, a joy that can never be diminished, a hope that can never be disappointed, a glory that can never ever be clouded, a light that can never be darkened, a purity that can never be defiled, a beauty that can never be marred, a wisdom 
that can never be baffled, resources that can never be exhausted, Christ for sickness, Christ for health, Christ for poverty, Christ for wealth, Christ for joy, Christ for sorrow, Christ today and Christ tomorrow, Christ my life and Christ my light, Christ for morning, noon and night, Christ when all around gives way, Christ my everlasting stay. In him all things hold together forever. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.